Sometimes I lay under the moon. I thank God I'm breathing. And I pray, don't take me soon. Cause I am here for reasons. Sometimes in my tears I drown. But I never let it get me down. So when negativity surrounds, I know the woman at the well. I come to the well in the heat of the day alone to avoid the sneers and the gossiping wagging tongues that cut into my already broken heart. I avoid the painful ignorance and the lack of loving care. Shame, it is my only covering. My men, they have all thrown me away for those that are younger and prettier than I. The shattered pieces of my life lay scattered all around me, leaving a trail of tears, desperate to be loved, shattered and scattered, is my soul. And then, he, the king, the Messiah, Yeshua, he came to meet me, me, at the well. He told me all about myself. He didn't shame me. He didn't blame me. He didn't chastise me. He forgave me. He accepted me. And he healed and delivered me. He fulfills all my hopes of an abiding, undying love that will never end. Well, shalom, everybody. I am so glad that you joined me. And I'm really excited about this show because I have a guest with me, Dr. Deborah Gold Wiley. Oh, my goodness. I just love Dr. Deb. She's going to be bringing to us a powerful presentation. So I wanted to share with you just a little bit about Dr. Deb. Dr. Deb is the founder and CEO of Women of Merit Ministries. This ministry was founded to empower women to be healed emotionally and spiritually and to coach women achieving their life's goals and destiny by seeing themselves as the Father sees them. So I had Dr. Deb speak at a conference I did a few weeks ago, or excuse me, a few months ago, and she did this amazing presentation. And so I asked her to join us um, on today's show and to share that amazing presentation. And so Dr. Deb, welcome. Oh, well, thank you. It's so great to be here. So Dr. Deb, before we get started, I do not want to forget to have you share about an upcoming conference or retreat that you're doing for women. Oh, thank you. Uh, yes, actually, November 11th, 12th, and 13th in Norman, Oklahoma, we're putting on a Women of Merit conference. We had one last year. This year, we've got a Christian artist called Plum who wrote the song, if you're familiar with Plum's music, uh, Beautifully Broken and Lord, I Need You Now. And she has an amazing, powerful testimony about the overcoming power of God in her life where she overcame depression and um, 
all kinds of, you know, bipolar disorder, all kinds of things, you know, in her life. And you would think this, this great singing artist would have everything all together, right? And so we've got a lot of great speakers, very powerful speakers and dramas, and you will come away with your soul refreshed and revived. And, and we're hoping for a lot of spiritual healing if you come from a background of trauma or abuse or anything like that. The speakers are going to be doing dramas and um, and we've got all kinds of worship and then just some some really powerful dynamic speaking that speaks into the lives of women that have been victimized and don't know how to get out of their mindset of the past, which is what we're going to be kind of talking about today, mm -hmm. Laura Lee. So thank you. And that's in Norman, Oklahoma. And you can go to womenofmeritministries.com. If you're if you're interested, we would love to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that you're having that artist. I remember there have been times in my own recovery where I was in a like a really, really bad place and I discovered her music. And I used to get in my car and crank, <laughs> crank that song, um, I Can't Do This. And I would just scream to the father, I can't do this. <laughs> because, you know, recovery, it recovery can be very painful when you're starting to oh, yeah. allow the Holy Spirit to bring up those things that we blocked out and to do the, the healing that needs to be done. And I love what the father's doing. The father is on the move and he's raised up people who have overcome or are still in the process because we're all still in the process of overcoming and he's he's on the move and he is wanting he to heal his his sons and his daughters he's coming for not a child bride but a mature bride and these are the spots and the wrinkles on our wedding attire so i'm going to just turn it over to you and do your thing just Bring it on, sister. <laughs> well, I don't care what walk of life you've come from, whether you have lived in abject poverty, whether you have lived at the top of the food chain, so to speak, <laughs> and have had wealth or a silver spoon in your mouth. We have all got a testimony and we've all been through trauma of one kind or another. And some of us, unfortunately, Laura Lee, you're you, you'll relate, have gone through numerous traumas throughout our lives. And uh, oh. I, I, I've asked the Lord, I said, Lord, am I such a knucklehead that I had to go through all of this? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't you have just said, here's a word and I'm going to teach you this without having to go through this, you know? And we've all kind of been, you know, in that position, you know, and, and questioning God, you know, and uh, it, it was so funny. I, I was a, a pastor uh, and with with a husband who just decided, hey, I don't want to be married anymore. I don't want to be in the ministry anymore. And after 25 years of marriage and we'd built the counseling center, we'd built a a church congregation, you know, and, you know, we had like three or four hundred people that attended regularly. And and it was just like, boom, it was like, oh, here we go again here we go again, you know, and one more tragedy to overcome. 
And then I went through all of that and was just getting my feet back and went on this fast for 40 days. And, and cause I just wanted to hear God. I, I, I kept telling him, you know, and, and, and actually Plum was one of my go-to uh, artists at the time. It's like, Lord, I need you now, yes. now, not like yesterday. I need you now. And I just couldn't fathom the thought of continuing in ministry and playing church or I just wasn't interested in that. I just, you know, I was crying out for the real deal. Hence I found Torah. And then, you know, I, I kind of got mad at God. I'm like, you know, <laughs> it's not enough to just be a woman in ministry with the challenges. Now messianic. Are you kidding me? Is there something <laughs> you don't like about me? <laughs> you know, why, why is my path getting more difficult instead of easier? And sometimes I think we think that the easy path is the right path, but that's not so right. because Yeshua said that we would have to pick up our torture stake, our cross mm -hmm. and follow him. And that's not an easy path. If anybody thinks that walking with this big, you know, Thing, this weight on you that you're heading to crucifying your flesh daily. You know, that's where we're taking our cross. I have to crucify Lorley every morning. I, before I even get out of bed, I'm saying, okay, Lord, I need to crucify my flesh today. Don't let me walk in the flesh. Teach me to walk in your spirit. And so what uh, we're going to talk about today, and I guess I can just pull this up. I've got a PowerPoint here. I don't know how to do, I don't know how to pull it up. Do you? Ah, there it is. Okay. Yay. And so finding the child you were created to be. And I, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the inner child. Now the inner child is something, not some new age, woo, creepy thing. It's who we were designed to be who we were created to be and who we need to find again to make whole so that we can be the adult, the bride of Messiah, like you were saying, without spot or wrinkle, that we were really designed to be. And somewhere along the line, I don't know about you and, and, and a lot of our listeners out there, but somewhere along the line, I got lost. And I was like, you know, I didn't even know who I was anymore. I didn't, you know, after 25 years of marriage and all of that, you know, I thought, I don't even know what I like. I did so much just to be a good wife and a good pastor's wife. And, you know, I lived in this kind of glass bubble that everybody expected everything to be okay all the time. And, you know, the little, hey, I got this mask on. Yeah, I'm fine. We're fine. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. You know, that you get so accustomed to living kind of in a in a fake plastic world that you lose your identity and so i'm, I'm going to take you back a little bit do you remember when <laughs> and normally it was when most and that's why i love four and five year olds because they're the most authentic of who god created them to be because <laughs> you're a little boy and you're four or five years old you know you're a superhero there's nothing, you know, I'm, and they put the towels, pin them onto the shirts, <laughs> flying around the house, and they're just superhero. Us girls, we're more like 
I want to be a prima ballerina. I want to be a movie star, singer, or I'm a princess, you know, I'm just a princess. But you know what that really means? They were more in touch with the true creation that God created them to be. He created all of us to be superheroes, you know, and somewhere along the line, we got really good at being super zeros. Yeah. And something happened yeah. to cause that. Mm-hmm. And it was some, we have, let me just say it this way. Think about how brilliant Hasatan is. Okay. Because he knows if he can change how you think about yourself, so a man believes, so is he. If we begin to think of ourselves as not these little superheroes we originally thought we were, but we're too ugly, we're too fat, we're not smart enough, we're not tall enough, we're not this, we're not that. And we begin to look at ourselves in ways that we were never designed to look at ourselves. We speak 40,000 words a day to ourselves. Wow. And what, what are those words? And the reason I'm talking to you about the inner child is because there's a point in your life where you're this little superhero child. And then there's a point where you start to parent yourself Mm -hmm. and think about what you believed. Did most of us believe, believe that this big fat red elf, you know, drove around with reindeer (laughs) and toys and stuffed his little fat body all the way down a chimney and brought all of us toys, you know, or an Easter bunny, a rabbit all over the world, giving us baskets. And we believed it. And we believed it. Yeah. You know why we believed it is because an authority figure told Mm. us that was the reality. What if an authority figure has told you that you're not good enough, that nothing you ever do can measure up, no matter how hard you try? Oh, you got all B's? What? what, How come you didn't get all A's? Or you got one B? How come you didn't get all A's? What's wrong with you? Or saying things to you like, well, that was stupid. Mm -hmm. How stupid can you be? Right. All of those things sink in here and we start to believe them about ourselves instead of the superheroes that we once were. And I, I, I like to show this picture of where we started because we were in competition with millions of others to get to that egg and to fertilize it. And that's, why they call it the human race. We're racing to become a human. We're racing against, you know, a half a million to 2 million other people to, we're a miracle that we're alive. We're the best of the best. We were the cream of the crop. You look at the Kentucky Derby, what do they have? 20 horses or something? And the Indy 500 or the Daytona 500, what did they have? 40 cars? And they win a race and they get this big trophy and they get all this money. We ran a race against a million or two other people and we won. That's amazing. (laughs) 
Yes. And at four or five, we somehow knew that we were created. We were seeds of greatness because we were seeds from our king. We were seeds that the father planted. And he made sure that you were born and that you knew and understood from the time you were born that you were special until somebody came along and talked us out of it. So, you know, I like to ask the question, what happened? Mm-hmm. Bad parents, you know, maybe that was your case. Or maybe it was just authority figures. Or maybe it was a family member that molested you and told you things like your parents don't love you, your your mom hates you, your dad doesn't let you, you better not tell them because I love you. And I'm showing you that I love you. And, you know, for a child that believed in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, all of these statements that we just talked about, about all the negativity and then authority figures coming along and telling you, um, they hold a lot of weight because they become our reality. And sometimes we don't remember why we think the way we do. Sometimes we do it to ourselves. We go to school and we go, oh, man, you know, my dad said I was smart. I'm not smart. Look at that guy. Look at that girl. Look how smart she is. She's got, wow, she's way smarter than me or she's way prettier than me. My dad said I was pretty. What, you know, I, he must be lying to me. He lied to me about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Maybe he's lying to me when he tells me these things. You know, the way children internalize things is something that, you know, unless you've really studied child psychology, you don't understand that we are 25 years old before the front lobal part of our brain, the frontal lobes are um, fully engaged. And that's where logic and reasoning and all of that come into play. Everything else that happens in our younger life is mostly experience oriented. We're constantly gathering information. Oh, this is the way you treat somebody when you're angry. Oh, when you're angry, I can't speak. I have to be quiet. Oh, I see, you know, and we're just gathering information, gathering information. But a lot of this has become our core beliefs before we're 25 years old, you know, and that's what we're going to talk about. Were your parents, were they the, see, in in parenting, were your parents the perfectionists? Were they endlessly preoccupied with physical, intellectual, or social accomplishment? You know what? If that perfectionist parent was your parent and nothing was ever good enough, you are going to be endlessly preoccupied with your physical, how you look, intellectual, how smart you are, or what you accomplish. And that's how you're gonna judge yourself. There's a point, Laura, where our parents quit parenting us so much and that's usually when we're 14, 15 years old. But guess what happens? We start to parent ourselves. Mm And how do we parent ourselves with the parental dialogue that we've heard all of our life? And most of the time we pick up on all the negative 
That's what's stored mm-hmm. in our brains. In the trauma part of our brains, we it's more of the primal part, you know, in, in the rear part of our brain, at the base of our brain. And it's more uh, reactionary. It just takes in information. It, it tries to judge um, real danger from danger, but that gets damaged so that everything becomes a threat. And so we can't really, you know, it's hard for us to figure out, okay, is this a threat? Is it not a threat? You know, and it's really difficult for someone who's had a traumatized brain. So so can I ask a question? I'm sorry. So is, so is that the fight, flight, freeze, fawn? Yes. It gets triggered. Okay. It gets triggered Mm -hmm. constantly. And, and, you know, our, as a child, we've been programmed to be fearful. You know, your mom says, don't go out there. Don't do this. Don't talk to strangers. Don't run across the street. Don't do that. And so all we have to go on is how we've been programmed. We don't have the intellectual capacity for critical thinking. And so what we do is we, we kind of go into auto mode and that's really what the inner child is. It's this little kid that wanted love, that wanted nurturing, that wanted someone to protect them and to shelter them and to be there for them, but they never had it. Right. And we cry out and we crave that. And that's one of the reasons in my coaching, I, I, in, in counseling, I really focus on who were you really created to be? And, you know, that's really difficult for a lot of people to go back and really figure that out because Mm -hmm. of layers upon layers upon layers of not only maybe bad parenting, but how we parent ourselves. Exactly. So that's why I love adult children, alcoholic 12 step meetings, because it talks about the trauma. And we talk a lot about the inner child healing the inner child, and how to reparent yourself. And there's what's called the inner critic, the critical parent, the voice in your head, that is your critical parent. And so those are the old tapes. So we have to renew our mind, but it's really important to be able to go back and figure out, okay, so um, step four in ACA is taking a fearless and moral inventory, a blameless inventory of your parents so that you can see how you're, you are walking out that parenting, what was passed down generationally and how is it manifesting in the here and the now? So yeah. it's, it's all about connecting the dots and finding the tools to apply to your own life that helps you to learn how to love yourself, to nurture and reparent yourself. And a lot of us struggle with that. So many oh, people yeah. are in denial. The denial yeah. is tremendous. Well, yeah. And, and it's because I think a lot of times people don't recognize it, Laura. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example... Um, I can get up in the morning and get ready 
and look in the mirror and go, oh my gosh, you're so ugly. Ugh, I hate my nose. I hate this. I hate that. You know, I hate my hair. And, and we're saying all these things and, and we don't recognize yeah. it as the bad parent that has yeah. told us these things. I'll give you an example. And I gave it at the conference too. I had uh, a mother that she was all Southern mom, you know, <laughs> all about appearance. Everything was about appearance, how we looked as a family, how we looked as kids. You know, we all had to look, you know, my brother and I had to look perfectly dressed and groomed and whatnot. And she told me constantly over and over again, I hate your hair. It's so straight and stringy because she had um, she had thick, curly hair, you know, very thick. It wasn't fine like mine. And. I was 20 something years old and I was at this beauty parlor one day and this lady that was doing, had done my hair for a while. She said, uh, could I use you as a hair model? And I looked at her and I'm like, why? And she goes, Oh, you've got the best hair. She said, I can do anything with it. It'll do whatever I want it to do. And I was like, I was shocked. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> I thought my hair was horrible because I believed what my mother said. Right. You know, I took that judgment and just blindly accepted it as fact. And that's just a small example of right. some of the things that we've been told that we carry right on over into adulthood. And let's talk about uh, if your parents were overly submissive to the child. Okay. Like if they were like given in to every little whim overindulged is another term for that to this child, the child, when they grow up and become an adult, their, their inner child is going to say, it's okay. If I'm impulsive, it's okay. If I have throw a temper tantrum, if I have a fit of rage, uh, it's okay. If I don't consider anybody else's feelings or rights, because I can do no wrong because that's what mommy and daddy mm -hmm. conveyed to me. So I have the right to behave this way. And he, here's what happens in marriage. And this is why we have such a struggle in marriage. Most people don't realize that when you get married, there's four people in the wedding, in the marriage bed. Oh <laughs> and, boy. <laughs> and it sounds like four people could frolic and have a good time, but no, Two of those children are going to be fighting and wanting their own way. And two of them are the adults trying to suppress some of these inner struggles and these inner feelings. And we don't really realize I'm dealing with his, his inner child, the, mm -hmm. his, his needs that never got satisfied. He's dealing with my inner child and my wow. needs that never got satisfied. So you actually got four people you're dealing with. Wow, and, that is so powerful. And oh, what a mess we are. What a mess. And what, can, can you imagine that's why so many marriages fail? Yes. Bingo. Because, oh, it, it's like a husband that's that's like real gregarious and he wants people over all the time. And he's like, he's like, he's when you met this guy, he was so funny and outgoing and had so many friends. It attracted you. Yeah. But then 
your inner child, maybe you were an only child and you're used to quiet and peace. And you might've found that really attractive in the beginning when you first met this gregarious, you know, super, you know, happy, I want all my friends over all the time kind of person. Oh, wow. They're so, they're so wonderful. They make me happy. They make me laugh. But then when you live with that person, that person has a need to be accepted by everybody. And then you have this need that you need quiet. You know, you're more of an introvert. He's an extrovert, basically. But the inner child is coming into play in both of these. And so it takes two adults to recognize when they're dealing with the inner child. They, you, you have to go back in the marriage and the relationship and talk about, okay, what was your family of origin like? Because what we try to do with our inner children is recreate the home yeah. that we grew up in. Exactly. Good, bad, or ugly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I like to talk about the roles and the rules. The roles right. and the rules. The rules are you don't talk, you don't think, you don't feel, you don't trust. And the roles are hero, child, mascot, uh, scapegoat, and lost child. And we drag all this stuff into our marriages. And boy, what a mess we got. And of course, we've got the addict and the codependent as, as a parental, um, our mirrors. That's who we mirror. Right, right. Because mm -hmm. that's what we've been told yeah. all of our lives. I have a, a really good friend that is, she's played the hero role all of her life. And it's really difficult for her now not to try to rescue everybody in sight. And sometimes that rescuing is, is not healthy for their relationship, for their marriage that they're in, you know? And so he's getting tired of all of her rescuing, you know, and, and she's getting tired of his lack of, uh, compassion and, you know, and, but both of them, if they could recognize, well, I'm dealing with how she grew up here. And that when you can talk about it, when you expose it, it loses its power. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why it's so important to learn these things and, mm -hmm. and to have an understanding of, yeah, this is what, this is what's happening here. This is what's going on in my life right now. And I want to, let me get back to the slides here. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to make sure we, the overindulgent uh, child can, we spoke about the last time, but he's also can be bored, uh, unable to initiate and carry through or persist in any kind of an individual effort. And that's because everything's always been done for him or her. That, you know, they never had to clean the room. They never had to take out the trash. They never had to pick up after themselves. Mom always came along and did all of that. And then if the wife doesn't do all that, then they think the wife is disrespecting them. Mm -hmm. you know, and you, you know, and you're dealing with that overindulgent child still. And what about the punitive parents? Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that, uh, you know, like a lot of us have that in our heads. They're fiercely vengeful, angry, passive, aggressive. 
And those are the things when we've been raised by punitive parents that we will mirror. We will mirror that behavior because that's our inner child trying to make sense of this home that they grew up in, their home of origin. And none of this makes any sense to them, you know, but if you kind of understand how each of these parenting skills or lack of skills thereof, you might say, (laughs) affect you because that's how you parent yourself. Right. If you're, if you get mad at yourself, like, ah, man, I did it again. What is wrong with me? How can I be so stupid? And you're talking to yourself like the punitive parent would talk to you. So you have to, I, I always tell people, put everything you thought you knew about parenting on the shelf and only take down what's effective for your growth and for your security. If it, it was effective, you know, when you were nurtured and you were told, I believe in you, I believe that there's nothing you can't accomplish if you set your mind to it. In parenting ourselves, I often have you take a, a picture of yourself when you were four or five years old before, before you got talked out of your superhero-ness and, and talk to that child. You are beautiful. You are smart. There's nothing that you won't be able to do. I know it sounds really wacky and people kind of look at me sometimes when I say that, like, oh, I can't do that. I'm telling you, I I did this in in my some of my graduate studies because I was trying to get healed from, you know, some of the things that I had grown up with. And so every time they would show a technique like that, man, I would go home and I would I would test it. You know, I was going to be the test, uh, the test trial, the trial (laughs) test myself. And so, you know, it it does work. And I'm not saying it just because I read it in the book. I've done Mm -hmm. it myself. And it takes time. It takes a lot of time because for every negative you've ever heard spoken against you, it's going to take 40 to 400 times of repeating the opposite for you to really believe it and create a new neural pathway. So it takes repetition, 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 because what you're really doing with this inner child is, okay, these pathways were created in my brain and they're taking me this way. I'm, I'm criticizing myself for everything that happens. I'm telling myself I'm not good enough. I'm telling myself, and that's kind of your autopilot mode, if you will. It's kind of like if you were driving a car home from work and you moved, you had bought a new house or you moved to a new house. And all of a sudden you find yourself pulling up in the driveway of your old house. And you're like, Oh my gosh, how'd I get here? You know, you were on autopilot. You were in that neural pathway that was made to your, through your brain that just took you automatically there. The same thing's true with emotions. We will automatically go down that path of self-criticizing, I'm worthless, I'm useless, I'm, you know, whatever that criticism was, will automatically go there unless we create a new neural pathway, which, you know, layman's kind of term is, I'm creating a new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, um, so in Romans 12, too, we're told to renew our mind. Right. Yeah. Right. So. And Paul struggled with the inner child. 
Who goes? Paul struggled. I love Romans seven, where he he talks about he does what he doesn't want to do, and he what he wants to do he doesn't. I mean, that's Rabbi Shaul was a mess. I'm like hallelujah. (laughs) That's what he was saying. You know, you know, we we call it flesh. Call it what you want, but it was really that inner child wanting its own way. Why am I doing what I don't want to do? You know, because my inner child's guiding me this direction and I want to go this way. Yeah, my inner child wants ice cream for dinner. Right. The adult has to say, no, you're having a salad because we're going to do what, you know, we're going to do what's healthy for us, not what you want. Right. But yeah, you get it. And that's a a good key, um, Laura, because I, Laura Lee, I tell people all the time in, in therapy as now you're parenting yourself, your parent isn't in charge anymore. You are, you are in charge of you. So you need to be firm and loving with yourself. You know, don't be a parent like you were parented. Be (laughs) firm, have boundaries, have rules, but be loving, be encouraging, be telling yourself, you know, God really did create you for greatness and you're not there yet, but you're getting there. You're getting better every day. You're learning every day. You're growing every day in your relationship. And the more you continually speak those positive words of affirmation, you're creating this whole new pathway for your brain to go, Oh, I messed up. Big deal. That was great. I learned something from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one thing that popped into my mind is um, the inner man, because we talk about the inner man Mm -hmm. and the inner child. So that popped into my mind the other day. And and I thought, well, that's really interesting that we've got the inner child and the inner man that we're supposed to, is it um, die to self? But if we don't have a self, if we don't know who we are, how do we die to ourselves? These are just some things that I ponder. Yeah, well, and it's all true because when we're talking inner child here, we're not talking the four and five-year-old child that knew that they had worth and value and they were superheroes. We're talking about the conditioned child that began to not believe in themselves. That's the one we need to crucify <laughs> and I like get that. That's good. You know, the, uh, Yeshua said that you will not inherit the kingdom of God unless you come to me as a child. What child do you think he was talking about? The selfish, self-centered child or the one that realized I'm a creature of the most high. I am a son. I am a daughter. I'm a superhero. Because he even encouraged us and said, you think I've done great things? He said, greater things will you do. Imagine that. Greater than what he did? You, you, your brain kind of does not compute, does not compute, does not compute. <laughs> because we know us too well. But that's the kind of belief he was trying to instill within us. That all things are possible to those that believe him. So we have a a choice, you know, it's funny in our tour portions right now, this week is all about, you know, choose life. You know, you, you can choose 
the the blessing you can choose the blessings you can choose the curses but you still get to choose and the same is true with how we view ourselves we still get to choose if you want to choose to to look at yourself as not good enough i think you know years of um some type of christian training too we've oh i'm nothing but a you know dirty old sinner i'm no good you know and yeah. we there's some kind of glory for God in being worthless. That's not what the scriptures was saying. It wasn't saying that you're worthless. Just don't get self-righteous to where you think you're all that in a bag of chips, you know, because we want to walk humbly before him, but we, he doesn't consider us worthless. Look at the price that he paid for us, you know, and that just think of that. I mean, there was a huge price that was paid for us. I'm trying to get up slide nine here. Neglectful. Okay, this is a parenting style that many of you were neglected. You were just kind of abandoned. You were neglected. And, and you it'll cause you to feel anxious, lonely, unable to feel close to others. You know, Laura Lee, you had mentioned something to me about fathers and when fathers damage their children. All we have to do is look in society today and see the damage that has occurred in the family and in the homes because of a lack of fathers. Now, it's two different kind of um, uh, repercussions that happen based upon your gender. In other words, if you are a female that's been neglected by your father or, or even abused or put down, you're going to have, uh, you're going to be very anxious and you're going to be as a woman, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be insecure. Mm -hmm. You're going to be looking for love in all the wrong places as the oh, yeah. is, you know, trying to find that male affirmation, but you know what happens to a male? without a father, they get angry. Mm. All you have to do is go to the inner cities and see all the kids there, boys without fathers. They're the ones that are joining gangs and yeah. creating violence. And men tend to get, boys when they grow up without a father, get very angry. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is you've got a lack of fathers in the home a lack of good parenting by fathers. So you've got girls that are promiscuous, boys that are angry. What a volatile combination is that? Absolutely. And that's what we're seeing in society. And that's where Hasatan was pretty smart. And I don't want to give him credit, but because he does the same tricks over and over. But if mm -hmm. he can destroy the family, if he can take the father out of the home, then, you know, house divided and and that's what we're seeing right now in our society. So if you've been neglected by a father and you you feel anxious and you feel lonely and you feel unable to feel close to others, you know, if you if you just can't seem if if it almost feels like that life is surreal and it's hard to connect. Can I I remember after my divorce and I was really traumatized. I can I ever love again? I don't feel anything right now. I can I could have sat in my office day in and day out and watched people cry and I felt nothing. Mm 
And that's sometimes what happens to us with a traumatized brain, as well as, you know, uh, neglect or, or uh, abuse from a father. We can like just be in this frozen state of existence. But Yeshua said that I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I loved your intro, the woman at the well. The Yeshua came not with condemnation, not with judgment, but with forgiveness and love. Amen. And that's how we need to. And this is the hard part. That's how we need to come at ourselves. Not be condemning. Don't be the bad parent. Don't be the one that's, you know, but be kind and not non-judgmental. And don't blame, blame, blame. You know, we, we talk about, oh, the blame game, you know, where people mm -hmm. blame each other and they don't take responsibility. But sometimes we blame ourselves to the point that we can't grow spiritually because we're just guilty and shameful and unworthy when we do that. We cannot play the blame game with ourselves. Right. And also, I got to slide number 10 here. If you are sexually stimulating parents, parenting, or they have parented you in such a way, then you can be obsessed with physical sex or dissatisfied with personal relationships. That's also what happens when men get into pornography or women. Mm -hmm. I've known a lot of women that have been into pornography mm -hmm. and they start sexually stimulating themselves and they get obsessed with sex, but they don't, a, a human close contact with another body, like your husband or your wife, you know, doesn't satisfy them anymore. Wow. It's of the overstimulization of self, you know? And so those are things that happen. Um, but there's ways that we can fight against it. So I wanted to make sure I get three major ideas or concepts in. Your inner child of the past, literally the child you once were who continues to exist in your life as an adult. That's what the inner child really is. Being a parent to yourself, you are already acting as a parent to your child of the past. So you are either a good parent or you're a bad parent. I would even suggest reading some books on parenting mm -hmm. because you need to parent yourself in order to cause that child to not be stuck with the bad parenting that they had. Right. So you're reparenting yourself. Uh, mutual respect, the basis of getting along with your inner child of the past. You need to respect, okay, I see why you feel that way. You're, you know, Mom put you down, dad put you down, um, or they did this to you or they did that to you. I respect that. But now it's time for me to tell you that that wasn't true. There is no Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> there is no, um, you know, bad evil you that can't accomplish anything, that can't be anything that you want to be. So don't you know, don't beat yourself. Why am I doing this? You know, why am I doing that? Like Paul did, <laughs> right. you know? but just talk to that child in there and inside of you and say, you know, 
I understand why you're doing this, but now it's time to move on. And, and, you know, when you have these kind of conversations with yourself, what it'll do is when you're acting as the neglected child <coughs> or that inner child that you don't want to be, you'll catch it faster and you'll realize, oh, I'm being that child right now. And so the conflict is between the child and you and the adult you. It's the child you fighting with the adult you. And that's really what Paul was fighting with, I think. Yeah, there's a war in my head, a war in my heart and a war in my head. Yeah. Right. right. And so he didn't really maybe have the psychological terminology that we do today, but he described it to a T. That's good. Mm -hmm. He really did. Yeah. And so we need to understand that, too, that the conflict is really between, you know, they you know, we, we read the scriptures, you know, it's, you know, our, what our, uh, our battle isn't against flesh and blood, principalities and powers. And that's all true. Mm -hmm. That is very true. But our conflict is also <laughs> between ourselves. Well, so I, I firmly believe that, um, Hasatan at a very young age, I mean, even in, in the womb, he attacks us and he just waits you know, he's the one that orchestrates the trauma. And yes. then when the child is being traumatized, that's where the demonic can attach. And these are the very things that I believe Hasatan is using to continue the destruction within ourselves, within our marriages, within our families, and in the community. Right. Yeah. That is, that's so true. We won't have healthy home. If we don't have healthy families and healthy people within the community, we're not going to have a healthy community. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. And it's important to know, as I put up here on this slide, is, is that about 95% of our behavior is driven by unconscious yeah. processes. And it takes way too much mental energy to be aware of all of our behaviors. And so instead of really self-awareness, we become uh, automatic in some of our habits. And that's why these seasons of the festivals for introspection and looking inside of ourselves are so important because we need to come in touch with who we are yes. and come to the reality that that's not the adult me. That's the child me that I'm dealing with right here. Right. And we need to come to that reality and deal with it. Amen. You know, and, and it's hard. It is. I'm not going to lie and say, oh it's, oh, it's so easy breezy, you know, five steps and you're done. You know, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> oh, right. I know. I've had, I've had uh, parents bring their children to me, you know, teenagers and, and they, they, it took them 14 years to get them that screwed up and they want me to fix it in two easy sessions, you know, right. <laughs> it's not that simple. I wish it was, but we have to go back and re, you know, reconnect some of the neurotransmitters that haven't connected well. And right. so we have to go backwards to go forwards, if that makes sense. Exactly. And, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, that was in the past. You know, we need to focus on the here and the now and the future. Well, the past is always present until we address the past 
and and address you know address the past but also gain the skills that we need to <clears throat> to repair ourselves and to learn healthy coping skills right yeah and that's why behaviorism has taught us that in, uh, that through our associations and things that we've done have there's been consequences mm -hmm. that have shaped our behaviors there's been definite consequences. So it's it's good to go back and examine the consequences of a behavior we want to change. Right. You know, I want to, why? Why do I want to change this? Why? Um, you need to ask yourself, be clear on the whys, because if you don't even know why you want to change a behavior, you're likely not to do it. Mm. I want to change it because it is holding me back from being the person God created to me. I want to change this behavior because it's making my marriage unhappy. I want to change this behavior because it's keeping me from new relationships that maybe God wants to bring into my life. And I'm too walled up to deal with it. You know, emotional wounds are like scabs. I know this sounds really gross, but they <laughs> really are. It, when you hurt yourself physically, you develop a scab. That was God's idea to keep the wound safe from getting re-injured. We do the same thing with our hearts though. We get an emotional wound and we put this scab on there and we never, we don't really know when it's safe to let it fall off because we might get hurt again. Wow. Yeah. But could you imagine if you had every scab on your body now that you've had since you were five years old? Ooh. You would look pretty gross, you know, yeah. walking. <laughs> but that's what we do emotionally sometimes, <laughs> you know. We've got every hurt <laughs> with a nice big old heavy scab on it. And we're holding on to that scab because we might get hurt again. And I want to make sure, you know, that that injury is okay because I don't want you to hurt me again. And then I have to grow a whole new scab, you know, and that's kind of how our mindset <laughs> is. But think about this. The only time that a scab will cause a scar normally is if you pull it off too soon. So it's okay to have a guarded heart after mm -hmm. you've been injured for a while. Grant yourself that scab, but mm -hmm. also know that God's bringing people into your life. He's bringing scripture into your life. He's bringing the Holy Spirit into your life to teach you when it's safe to let the scab go and there won't be an ugly scar there. It'll be fresh pink skin. Have you ever had a scab that came off and you got this nice pink like baby skin underneath? Mm -hmm. That's the father's way of healing us. And he wants us to have, you know, that's the circumcision of the heart. Amen. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. It, and it's, you know, God's so good that he puts all these protective measures. Yeah. But there's a time for the protective measure, and then there's a time to let the scab go. Yeah. Well, when and I wanted to hit on this um, too, our past colored glasses. When the way we think conflicts with the way I feel, 
going back to Paul in Romans yeah. 7, for what I'm doing, I do not understand for what I will do. That is like a red flag saying, hello, <laughs> there's something yeah. here you need to fix. If you're doing what you don't want to do, then there's something there that needs fixing. That's you know? good. Mm -hmm. I've always looked at children that way too. When you see kids, like when I um, have my counseling center in California where they, you know, we were working with rebellious teenagers and probation department youth, they're handling their population and these kids are acting out. But I always thought of it as what they're doing, what these kids are doing by acting out is they're raising this big red flag and they're waving it saying, help me, something's not right at home. Yeah. Help exactly. Me. Yeah. And a lot of times we as adults ignore the flags. Yes. So anyway, I think we kind of covered Paul here. So I'll skip that slide. <laughs> Bless his heart. Sorry, Paul. He gets blamed for so much, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> steps. Okay. So I want to make sure I get the steps in. Recognize these feelings and their childhood origin. When you're battling, when you're having a constant battle, a war inside of your members, so to speak, recognize the feelings and then go back and think, okay, where did these feelings begin? How did someone make me feel this way? How did a parent put something in my in my mind or in my heart that made me feel these kind of feelings from my childhood and accept and validate those feelings. They're real. Mm -hmm. They're not imaginary. They actually did happen. So what you've done here by accepting and validating is you're telling yourself, it's okay. I understand why you feel that way. You know, I understand don't you love it when you've got a friend and you just poured your heart out to them and they just tell you, Oh man, I understand. I, I understand. We need that. Yeah. We need that confirmation and validation, mm -hmm. you know, and then being the little bit stronger parent is establish limits so that these old childhood feelings that you've been used to experiencing the whole time don't dominate our actions, our ability to function. That's the why of changing. Yeah. Cause they will dominate our actions and they will dominate our ability to function as the leaders, as the warriors, as the, as the I think we're talking to mostly women today as the women that God, the women of God, the woman of valor, that he's created you to be. Don't let your child, your selfish little inner child that wants its way because it never got it to dominate who you are because that's not who you are. Right. And so we want to make sure we take those steps and cultural dominates belittling children. Mm. We, we, you, you said it earlier. You know, we are to be seen and not heard. So to free yourself of that cultural kind of thing that you grew up with, uh, study your parents, study their their culture, and it will reveal to you why they treated you the way they did, because they were probably treated that way also. Yep. Generational. It's a generational yeah. curse. It'll go 
generations. He said it will visit up to the fourth generation. He didn't say you would it would damn you to the fourth generation, but he said it would visit you. I've been visited by my great, great, great grandmother that I never knew. Yes. <laughs> Gone down through those generations and it has visited me. And so it's a good reason. Mm -hmm. That's another why to change because your future generations will be impacted as well. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And perspective. I don't know how, are we running out of time here? We probably are, huh? Um, no, you just keep going. Okay. <laughs> okay. So perspectives and persistence. Habits do not change quickly. So get your perspective, mm -hmm. understand that you need persistence and perspectives are not reality. I just want to say that because sometimes we have a perspective that, you know, my mom said this or my dad said that, and that's how I am. Or culturally, our parents were this way, my brother's that way. So that's how I am. Perception is not your reality. Your reality is who God created you to be. And Amen. persistence is what will cause the habits to change. You know, your habitual way of treating yourself like your parents did requires you to be kind to yourself, but firm, you know, and, and uh, James Dobson did a study and it was done in prisons. And the, what he found out was that 99.9 .9 something like 997, or it was like almost a hundred percent of every person in prison had been told by a parent or an authority figure, you're going to end up in prison. Wow. Holy smokes. Huh. Yeah. Because, they word curse. They word curse their own child, the, and they believed it. So wow. guess what? So a man believes, so is he. Wow. And that's really sad. And we do that a lot in our culture. Like one of the reasons that Jewish kids are so successful is they have a whole culture that is very nurturing for yes. the most part. Not, I'm not putting a blanket covering on everybody. I'm sure there's bad Jewish parents, but they, you know, their whole culture is my son, the doctor, yes. my, my daughter, the lawyer. <laughs> it's you know. true. And, and we tell our kids, Oh, he's no good. He's just like his uncle Joe. He's probably going to mm. end up in jail, you know, or his father's no good. What else would you expect? Yeah. And we say things like that and our kids hear it. They internalize it and then they act on what they've heard. Yeah. Sad. Sad. Sad, Sad but true. Mm -hmm. It is. And even, you know, the Jewish culture has a bar mitzvah and a bat mitzvah where they come into their own and they, you know, they're adults and the community all comes out and blesses them and, you know, lifts them up and, you know, shame, shame on us that we don't do that with our children and have something that, that uh, they can really latch on to how to parent yourself, perfectionism, over coercion, then if that's how you were raised, take off pressures and demands you've put on yourself. Don't demand, oh, I've got to do this just right. Oh man, I messed up. I didn't do it right. You know, take that off of yourself. Take the pressures. If you were raised with rejection and perfectionism and punitiveness, put your emphasis on kindness, mm. respect, 
gentleness in the way you treat yourself and limit self-criticism. If you start to self-criticize yourself, tell yourself, you know, that's not really true. You know, God created you with something more in you than that. Silly, you know, better, you know, don't say you're bad. You're bad. You thinking evil thoughts, you know, just, just be kind, be kind and loving, you know, pretend you're talking to that six or seven year old little girl or little boy. How would you talk to them? You wouldn't talk to them the way you talk to yourself. Why are we doing that? And prayer and the Holy Spirit is key. It is the key to all of it. it um, if you have had overindulgent parents, then make demands on yourself to accomplish things. L limit your dependence on wanting everybody else to do things for you. If um, your parents were over submissive to you, they just kneeled down to everything you wanted. Infer, enforce firm limits on your impulsiveness. Work to overcome your tendency not to respect others' rights and feelings. And so these are things, but pray, pray, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, to direct you, and to show you what you need to work on what you need to do, where these feelings are coming from. Go back and explore your parents' culture and remember how it started with you and just go backwards to go forward. Yes, that's good. Go backwards to go forwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Too many times we've been brought up in a culture that says, oh, don't dwell on that. That was the past. Forget yeah. about that. But yet the past has a way of becoming our present. Yes. Unless we go back and deal with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me oh. on. I really enjoy it. I'm oh, sorry. thank you so much. It has been so edifying. And, and I know from reading the comments that people were very blessed, very much blessed. And, you know, this is something that is, this topic is near and dear to my heart. And it's such a blessing that you are addressing that all, also, this healing the inner child. And so would you please once again share about the upcoming women's conference before we part? Oh, okay, sure. Uh, we're having Women of Merit Ministries is having a women's conference in Norman, Oklahoma, November the 11th, 12th, and 13th. So it's after Sukkot and it's time to whew, get out and celebrate the new you. And uh, <laughs> but there's going it. to be a, it's going to be a healing, emotional healing conference. Trust me. We had so many testimonies last year of women that said, I've never experienced the Holy Spirit the way I experienced at the mm. conference. You know, that I just felt God just like pour oil all over me. One woman said that she said, I, I, I just experienced this warmth that came over me and I knew everything had changed. And just all these, you know, amazing testimonies. And this year we've got Plum who's saying beautifully broken. God, I need you now. And what was the song that you. Uh, I can't do this. I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen to that one. I'm sure I know it because I've always listened to Plum. It's like a really angry song. I'm like, I can't do this. 
is. I love it. It's a great song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's going to be so many powerful testimonies and dramas and worship that you're not going to walk away the same way you came. So we just hope to see you there. And if not, if you can't be there, pray for the women that do come, that they get total deliverance and healing, because that's the whole vision of the conference is to make sure that, and like your vision, Laura, that's when I met you, I was like, woohoo, a woman of valor that, you know, God's put on your heart the same thing he's put on mine. Amen. You know, Amen. and I think he wants us all whole. I mean, if we're, this, if we're really in the end times, which are sure looking that way, we need to be strong and courageous. And we can't do that if we're broken. Well, so this week, um, my, my other shows are addressing father wounds. Oh, wow. So when we have father wounds from our earthly father, we're not going to be able to have that faith and that trust in our heavenly father to stand on his promises. You know, oh. it's really going to impact our, our faith and our belief and our trust in him. So I'm just really excited. I'm actually going to see if I can come to that retreat because I'd really like to come to the retreat. And so um, I and another tour observant uh, mental health therapist, we are plan <clears throat> excuse me, planning on having a retreat here in Central Florida. And for those of you that are joining us, Dr. Deb is also going to help us with that women's retreat. So if you want more information, please um, reach out to me and I will provide some more information. So Dr. Deb, I just want to say thank you so very much for joining us. And I hope that you can come back in the future and help us, help us heal. Give mm. us some, some wisdom. And, and uh, it's Dr. truly my honor. It's truly my honor. Cause that's, I mean, to me, that's, my heart is to see women whole and, and, and a lot of, you know, leaders and women in ministry too. Um, and, and, you know, they just don't feel like they've got a place that they can get real and just yes. be honest, you know, it's all about performance based things. And we don't want to, we don't want to ever do that to people. We want them to just get real and get help. Amen. Because yeah. it's a we program. We are all broken. Right. And we right. all need we all need healing and deliverance, restoration, and you know, it's a we journey. We're in this together. Amen. So, Amen. Yeah. Well, you're a blessing and thank you so much, Laura Lee. And I hope you all attend her conference too. So be there. Or be square. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Shalom. Shalom. Sometimes I lay under the moon. I thank God I'm breathing. And I pray, don't take me soon. Because I am here for reasons. Sometimes in my tears I drown. But I never let it get me down. So my negativity surrounds.